So Genesis 2.24 says this. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two, or it says, they shall become one flesh. One translation says two becomes one. Two becomes one. This verse really helped me in my marriage and in my walk with God. Uh, my favorite part about thing, being married, my absolute favorite, without a doubt, is the friendship that Cynthia and I have. She really is my best friend. In fact, we have something on Mondays called Best Friend Day. And uh, it's our day off. I tell the church, I've been telling you guys for years, don't call me on Monday. Don't text me on Monday. We have a, a new intern who hasn't figured that out yet. So we have, don't, <laughs> don't ask me theological questions on a Monday. Um, don't get sick on Mondays. Don't die on Monday. So whatever it is in your life, just don't let it happen on a Monday. It's our day off. It really is best friend day. It's the day that we get to enjoy with each other. And we, we just live life together. And my favorite part of it is the fact that we are friends. And so many of you could say the same thing. The friendship aspect of marriage is the best part. But I'll have you know it was not always that way. There was a long stretch in our marriage where we were not friends. We did not love each other, but we also did not like each other. In fact, we would go to people's houses, and there'd be like a, a bunch of people there, parties, and we would look at each other from across the room and give each other the stank eye. You know what I mean? We'd just like... <clears throat> That's a true story. I mean, <clears throat> we just didn't like each other. And I was miserable, and I was unhappy, and I didn't, know how to, I didn't know how to be a husband. I was selfish. It was all about me, and I just didn't know what it meant to love somebody. I didn't know what sacrifice was about. I didn't know any of that stuff. When, when we got married, I was living by myself. It was just me and a beautiful German shepherd. And so when Cynthia came into the picture... We got a team player. And I mean, I was so thrilled. I thought, man, she could cook and clean. And she's going to add a lot to this equation. I never knew it was really about what I could add and, and what I could give. And so we spent years in a terrible marriage. Now, let me just tell you, I loved God. I went to church every Sunday because I was the pastor. And I had to go. <laughs> I read my Bible I was a Christian, but you could be a Christian and still experience severe trauma in your marriage. And, and so I did not know how to fix it. I did not know how to turn this thing around. But God began to show me some things to do. And one of the things that I did is when we started to turn our marriage around, I asked myself a question every day. Here's the question that I asked. What can I do today? to show my spouse that she's the most important person in my life. I ask myself that question every day. Now listen to that question. What can I do? Not what can I say, what can I do? Because our marriage was at the point where it didn't matter what I said. Words were empty. Words mean nothing, meant absolutely nothing to us. Listen, when trust is broken, Words become void, and the only currency that is acceptable is actions. Did you hear me now? I said when trust is broken, words become absolutely meaningless. They become void. 
From here on out, the only acceptable form of currency is actions. If you were a shop owner and I was a loyal customer and I would come in and and I spent years shopping, I would write checks and the checks were good, they cleared. And if that went over time and and a period of years that that took place, these, these transactions and interactions between us, the first time I bounced a check, you would come to me and you would say, hey, just want you to know your check bounced and, you know, that costs us money. You, you, you can't do that. Please don't do that again. The second time that the check bounced, you would come to me and say, hey, hey, you know, this costs us money. We can't have, you know, you can't write checks if you're going to bounce them. The third time I bounced a check, you would say to me, no more checks. From here on out, it is cash only cash only. Checks are your word. And when you break, tr- you break trust, your word becomes unacceptable. From here on out, what they want to see is your actions. Cash is actions. Now, if over a period of time, I shopped at the store and I was paying by cash and I said to you, hey, I've got my finances figured out. I was having some problems, but that's all in the past. That's behind me. Would it be okay if I write a check again? Most likely you would say, yes, you can go ahead and write a check again. Hey, you're a great customer, but please don't bounce one. Please don't break your trust again. Huh? So, so that is what happened in our life. I began to do something. I said, what can I do? What can I do? Can I make her coffee? Can I, can I clean the house? Can I wash the dishes? Can I buy flowers? Can I take the kids away so that she could have some time alone? What can I do? What action step can I take? Huh? I began to ask myself that question every day. And then here's the other part of it. To show her she's the most important person in my life. Because all of my actions up until that point showed her that she was not the most important person in my life. In fact, all of my actions showed her that she wasn't really that important at all. The way I lived my life, the way I conducted myself, the way I treated her, the way I talked to her, everything pointed to where she was really not that important at all. So I'm going to turn it around. Okay, what can I show her that she's the most important person in my life? Because she really is. She is. She's the most important person in my life. I'm here to tell you, you know, I've, had, I've heard people say this phrase, I, I live for my kids. My, my kids are everything. I live for my kids. I'm here to tell you that if you live for your kids, you are living wrong. Your kids are not the most important thing in your life. God is number one. Your spouse is number two. Do you hear me today? Ladies, his needs come before your kids' needs. I just thought I'd wait <laughs> to see how long it was going to take to get an amen from one man in this place. Listen, his needs come before your children's needs. Now, I understand when the kids are two and they're three years old and they're little or you have babies, I understand that babies need to be tended to Im- immediately. Okay, I, I get that. So, so I understand that there are some seasons in your life where you have, to, you have to take care of kids. But we have to, I'm telling you, we've raised our kids and we've told them, hey, it's us. 
It's, it's about us. Because if this doesn't work, nothing works in the home. Do you understand? And so we taught our kids, hey, it's about mom and dad right now. You get frozen pizza, we're going out for Japanese. Praise God. I mean, that's just the way it is, you know? <laughs> Bye. And, and, and then we text them pictures of the food. And so that's a true story. We've done that. Because she's the most important person in my life. And when I began to turn around, I asked myself that question every day. I had no idea how to love Cynthia. Nobody taught it to me. Nobody modeled it. Nobody put it on display. I didn't know what it was. I thought marriage was all about me. I didn't know really how to be selfless. I didn't know how to, to love her as Christ loves the church. I had no idea. And so we were miserable. We didn't like each other. We, we didn't, if we were sleeping in the bed and her toe touched my toe, I would, I would make it obvious that I would shift my feet over just so that we wouldn't touch each other. And she packed her bags, and she was heading out the door. And I remember walking into the guest bedroom of our mobile home, come on now, up in North Florida, and I remember saying to myself, you've got to, you've got to get your life together. And that started me on a journey, and I said, God, okay, teach me. Because, because I couldn't get divorced. I, I knew I could. I knew that I did not have biblical grounds for divorce. I looked. I was searching the scriptures. <laughs> where does it say I can divorce her because she doesn't listen to me? And I'm like, where, there's a, is that in Hezekiah? I don't know where that is. It's got to be here somewhere. And she was probably looking as well. She was like, where does it say I can divorce him for being a jerk? There's got to be a scripture. But there isn't one. We didn't have biblical grounds for divorce. So I knew we had to move forward. We had to make this thing work, right? So I said, God, teach me. And then I found a verse that literally changed my life. And it's in the book of Proverbs, and I want to share it with you today. It says this, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times. And that verse changed my life. And I thought, okay, I don't have any emotion towards her. But I can learn how to be her friend. And if I can be her friend, I can love her because a friend loves. You see? So we didn't just overnight become lovers. We first became friends. And where marriages fail, it's not because people fall out of love. It's because they first fall out of friendship. Do you get that? Let me just say that again. When marriages fail, it's not because people first fall out of love. It's because they first fall out of friendships. You are friends first. Amen? So I said, okay, God, teach me how to be your friend. How am, I, how am I supposed to be her friend? So there are three things I want to give you this morning that, that denote friendship. And the first one is this. Friends show they care. They show that they care. And there's two ways to show that you care. Number one is tone. Number two is time. Tone and time. You ever get loud with anybody? Is anybody here a loud person? That's me. I'm kind of a loud guy. I can go from zero to 60 back to zero. And when you get to 60, my wife would say, hey, what are you raising your voice for? And I go back to zero like, what? What are you saying? I've been talking like this the whole time. I'm not yelling. 
Like you were a minute ago. What? I, uh, I've, been, I've been talking like this the whole time. Tone denotes care. And the way I, I would talk to her, the sarcastic tone, mean, angry things we would say towards each other. And she would, she would give it right back, buddy. We would just fight and scream at each other and yell at each other. And we showed each other that we did not care. So I began to change my tone. And then I began to spend time. I would just spend time with her. And I would just say, okay, let's spend some time together. And still to this day, we fight. We're, we are busy. We have a lot of stress. I'm going to talk about next week that, that we still struggle with some thir- certain things, and we'll talk about that next week. But, but we still have high-stress lives, and so we have to fight for time with each other because time shows somebody that you care. Love is a four-letter word, and it is spelled time. Really, because you spend time on the things that you love. Amen? Number two is this. Friends consider each other's needs. John chapter 15, verse 13 says this. Greater love has no one than this. Than what? Than you lay down your life for a friend. Huh? It's a marriage verse. It it says this, hey, I'm going to lay down my life. I did not know what that looked like. You mean I have to sacrifice? I have to give up? I lived for myself, man. It was all about me. And when I got married, reality hit. And every time I talk about marriage, I, I share this statement, which sounds so simple, but it is so true. If you are married... You are not single anymore. Get it. I'm telling you, if you get that, man, it'll save your marriage. If you're married, you're not single. You can't live like you're single, talk like you're single, act like you're single, treat other people and relationships as if you were single. Come on now. You see? A a few weeks ago, my wife went to Daytona for a volleyball tournament with my daughter. And it was a Sunday... Caleb was at, he's in Bible school in Fort Lauderdale, and somebody took Elias for the afternoon. I went home to an empty house. That never happens. Never happens. And I thought to myself, I am going to buy Chinese food. <laughs> Chinese food, y'all. I'm like, I never get Chinese food. Cynthia doesn't like it, so we don't eat it. So I'm like, oh, Chinese food. So I bought Chinese food. I was like bringing it home like, oh, I cannot wait. (laughs) Pepper steak, fried rice, wonton soup, egg roll, not that egg drop mess, wonton, (laughs) egg roll. I was so happy. I took a picture of it, sent it to Cynthia. Look, I'm at home alone. I have the TV to myself. There's tennis I've recorded, and I am eating Chinese food. I was so happy. I was like, this is what my life was like as a single person. Now, five hours later, I was like, hey, where you at? When are you coming home? I'm like, I'm I'm lonely already, you know. But that's what my life was like. Well, when I got married, hey, guess what? You don't get to do what you want, go where you want, spend money on what you want. Amen? You now have to consider somebody else. Let me tell you, it's really tough for this generation because we are raising a me generation. We're raising a generation where they are, it's all about them. 
Everybody gets a trophy. Let's take a selfie. It is all about us. How many likes can I get? My page, my Snapchat, my Instagram. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And then they go into marriage and they they have to figure out that it's really not about them. So we have to train them and teach them, hey, it's not about you. When you get into marriage, you have to consider each other's needs. But when you have two people doing exactly that, you see, my needs don't go unmet because my wife considers my needs. You see, her needs don't go unmet because I consider her needs. It's called a marriage. And this is how we're to live our lives. Friends consider each other's needs. Number three is this. Friends enjoy each other's company. They're open and honest and real. In John chapter 15, verse 15, in the New Living Translation, Jesus said this. He said, now I'm your friend. He said, because I've told you everything. You're no longer a slave. You're now friends. Why? Because I have told you everything. Jesus said, I talk. We talk. We converse. My wife and I, we talk. When I have a great story to tell, I want to tell her first. So I call her and say, oh, I can't wait to get home. I got this story to tell you. We go out to restaurants. We talk. We talk about kids, life, things, you. We talk about you guys. Um... (laughs) We, we just, we converse with each other. That was so different than the way it used to be. It used to be when we talked and if things got heated or, or if, if, if she said, said something I didn't like, I would check out. And I don't mean check out of the conversation. I grabbed the keys to my car and I was gone. And I did that all the time. I did it all the time. I would just leave the house. I would just start driving. I didn't want to, I didn't want to hear anything. We didn't want to talk. Let me tell you, when we turned around, we'd sit down and we would converse. And now we love it. We love to just sit down and talk to each other, right? Friends enjoy each other's company. Listen, I, I've got, uh, on, a, on a Word document on my computer, I've got 32 life goals. I've completed three of them. So I've got to live to like 110 because I, I have all these goals I have to. And Cynthia is in almost all of them. I want to take her to Paris. I want to take her to Italy. We want to we go to these places. We want to do these things. We want to live life together. Why? Because we enjoy each other's company. We, we just love life. I can't wait to, to, to give it to the kids. And it's just us. I mean, I'm excited about that, you know? Because we enjoy each other's company. Now, we can wait to get rid of the kids. But, but we still love each other's life. Listen to this. Friendships are built they don't just happen. You don't just keep long friends over a long, uh, long time friends over a period of time by accident. You have to work at it. Friendships take work. They are built. But if you do it right, I'll tell you this. God will come into your marriage and what you can't do, he'll make up for. And if you're here today and things are falling apart or it's just not working or you don't have that, those kind of relationships, I know that God can turn that whole situation around. We are living proof of it because our marriage was dead. It was gone. It was dead. But God turned it around. 
See, I believe this. There's no such thing as irreconcilable differences because God can reconcile anything. Amen? I said God can reconcile anything and anyone at any time. I want to share with you a quick video. Uh, There's a guy that's on TV, him and his wife, Jimmy and Karen Evans. They pastor a church in Amarillo, Texas. But they have a ministry called Marriage Today, and it's all over the TV. It's very easy to find. And on one of his shows, somebody called in and said, can one person save a marriage? And I thought, that's a great question. That is a great question. And so Jimmy answers the question by telling this story. And I want you to to hear what he says this morning. Can one person save a marriage? while the other person's doing the wrong thing. And God uses those people to save marriages. And I absolutely believe, uh, thousands of testimonies that we know of people who are in a bad marriage, they prayed, they believed, they loved their spouse when their spouse was doing the wrong thing. One of the first counseling appointments I ever had was a woman who came to see me and her husband was coming home, eating, bathing and changing his clothes and going to spend the night with his girlfriend, okay, every night. And she came to see me, and she said, I go to your church. And she said, my husband, and she described her husband. And I said, and your husband's sleeping with this gal every night? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, you you can divorce him. I mean, you know, he's violated the covenant of your marriage. I mean, you have every right to divorce him. And she said, well, I want my marriage. And I said, well, okay. Well, let let me tell you what my suggestion is. I said, but I want you to know in everything I'm saying, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you can divorce him. And I said, but here's, here's what I would encourage you to do. Go home. And tonight when he comes in, doll up, you know, and fix him his favorite meal and serve him all night long and treat him just like you would Jesus if Jesus came to your house. And she just had this blank look on her face and she said, did you hear what I just said? I said, I heard what you just said and I told you you can divorce him, you know, but you're telling me you want to fight for your marriage. So I'm just telling you, you know, is this is how I would redeem the relationship if it were me and I wanted to fight for the marriage. And she just kind of gave me this blank stare and she said, So I'm supposed to love this man who is sleeping with another woman. I said, you're asking me how to save your marriage. You can go home, pack your bags and go with God's blessing as far as I'm concerned, but you're asking me how to save your marriage. I'm saying, treat him like you would Jesus if Jesus came to your house. But don't sleep with him. Don't don't sleep with him as long as he's sleeping with the other woman. But love him in every other way you can. So he came home that night and she did that. I said, come back next week. So she came back next week and I said, well, what's happened? She said, well, I have his attention. And she said, I can tell you that. And she said, he's spending more time at home. He's still going over and spending the night with her. He said, but after three or four nights of me treating him really well, he was reading the paper over in the corner like he does. He dropped the paper and said, what are you up to? (laughs) And she said, what do I say to him? And I said, well, the next time, go home, keep it up. And next time he says that, say, a preacher at church told me to treat you like this and he would like to talk to you. And she said, okay. So (laughs) she... She left, and the next time she came back, he was with her. And so she walks in the door, and he, he just kind of slithers around the door. You know, he just dreading talking to me. And so he comes in and sits down. Uh, on, they were sitting there next to me, and so he said, you know, he was kind of, you know, slunked down in his chair, and he said, well, I, I know you know what I've done. I said, yeah. yeah, she's told me everything. And he said, well, and she told me she came and talked to you. And I said, yep, she did. She came and talked to me and she asked me what to do. And he said, well, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not doing good things. And, you know, I know that. And, 
you know, and she's treating me not right, you know, and he said, I'm not treating her right. I said, that's right. That's right. You know, she's doing the right thing and you're not doing the right thing. He said, I know. I know. I don't feel good about that. And I said, well, let me tell you the answer. And he said, what? And I said, for you to turn your life to Jesus, because what you're doing is wrong. And I know it's not fulfilling to you and you need Jesus in your life because that's the difference between you and her is she's following Jesus and you're not. And he said, okay, I'm ready. He was one of the best Christian men I've ever met in my life. The most precious family that came to this church for years until they moved. Precious children. He was a man of God. And every time I saw him in the hallway, I thought that's a man redeemed by a godly woman. She had every right to walk away. And I'm not telling any woman to stay in an abusive relationship. That's not what I'm saying. She came to me and said, I want to fight for my marriage. I I could have told her, get a baseball bat, (laughs) hide in the closet. As soon as he walks by, hit him as hard as you can. And, you know, fire with fire. But when you fight fire with fire, you get a bigger fire. The only way you can defeat a spirit is with the opposite spirit. Jesus said, love your enemies. If you hate your enemies, you're fighting it with the same spirit. You just get more hate. But when you fight it with the opposite spirit, and so he was, had his heart turned away from her. He had left the marriage. He was violating the covenant of their marriage, and she presses in and begins to treat him like Jesus. When you fight fire with fire, you get a bigger fire. Man, that's phenomenal. We're going to do it. My wife and I will be doing a video series by uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans for our small groups on Wednesday nights. But I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come, and I want to end with this story today. Uh, I hesitated to, to show this video for one reason. It doesn't always work out like it did for that woman. Uh, sometimes you do the right thing, and a spouse will cho- still choose to walk away. And so sometimes that happens. But I promise you this. of the marriages that nobody is fighting for, nobody is trying to redeem, will end in divorce. Someone has to fight. Someone has to try. Someone has to say, I'm going to do everything I can to redeem this marriage because one woman saved our marriage. Just one person. Cynthia saved it. She could have easily walked away. She chose to stay And she would pray for me. And she would fight for me spiritually. She really did. And I'm going to try my best to share this story. Are you ready? I don't even know if I can start. But I'm going to try. I did okay in the first service. But we'll see. Um, Last Saturday night, my son turned 19. Most of you know Caleb. And uh, he's in Bible school now down in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, so... The friends got a hold of Cynthia and said, we want to have a birthday party for Caleb. And she said, okay, when? Nine o'clock on Saturday night. I went, oh, what? I bind them in Jesus' name. And so um, so we, we go down there. We brought, it's like an hour drive. We brought an ice cream cake. I don't know why. So um, the, thing was, the thing was flat. It was all the way flat when we got there. Anyway. So that's a true story. Um, 
So we get down there, and the kids are having fun, and inside the house that he lives, there's three guys that live in that house, but there was about 15 kids from the school that had gathered to celebrate his birthday. And um, they do this thing called, uh, it's called put-up. And they said, well, let's do put-up. Let's play put-up. And that's where the person that they're celebrating, you're going to go around the room, and somebody's going to say something about them and how that person has impacted their life. And Cynthia and I are just sitting there, and one by one, these kids just start sharing about Caleb and the impact that he's made in a very short time on their life. Man. And we're sitting there listening to this, and I remember driving away, and I remember thinking to myself, What would have happened if we had not got this marriage to work? What would have happened? I don't know that Caleb would be there. I'm not saying he wouldn't have. Who knows the choices he would have made? But I can tell you this. We wouldn't be here today. My wife and I wouldn't have been able to go through an incredible adoption and bring a child into our home that just means the world to us. None of that would have happened. What is happening in your home is bigger than you are. Can I just say that one more time? What is happening in your home is bigger than you are. And we know it's not just about Caleb or Hannah or Elias. We know it's about you and your kids and grandkids my future grandkids, and generations to come. That's why it is so important to fix a broken marriage. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning?